Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie and I'm here with my husband and co-host Jeremy and today we are talking to Hugo. Hugo is a professional drone operator, videographer and photographer. He won some photography awards but what's really cool is that some of his footage was used in a video clip that won an MTV Video Music Award and a Grammy Award. How cool is that? Uh, Hugo is from Brighton, UK. He went to film school and he tells us all about it, everything that he learned, because it's actually so much more than just learning how to film. That was really interesting for me personally to learn about that. And then he tells us how we got into drone, how Instagram was really, really helpful for him to get jobs and partner with brands and other people to really take his career to a whole other level. Now he's actually living in Dubai, filming movies, TV show, commercial for a lot of different famous brands and movies and everything. Hugo is also very fortunate to be able to travel. He always loved to travel. He was saving every penny that he had to go anywhere in the world when he was younger. But now he's actually getting paid to travel and photograph amazing places like Iceland and Peru and the Galapagos and all over the world. So yeah, stay tuned. It's a really cool episode and actually make sure you listen to it because Hugo has a really fun story about getting deported. Yeah, that happened. (laughs) Uh, We really hope you enjoy this episode. Have fun. Hi Hugo, welcome to the show. Hi guys, how you doing? Good. Thank you very much for being with us today. Super excited. I've been following you for a while. I'm not going to be too much of a fanboy but (laughs) (laughs) well thank you (laughs) no when when i got the drone two or three years ago now i can't remember you're one of the first account i followed and and yeah i mean oh wow amazing you're really i mean your photography is next level (laughs) honestly (laughs) but yeah you're one of the account i look up to to really check oh. things I could improve and stuff like that so yeah I legend that's very kind of you <laughs> and also what I love about you is your stories because you're hilarious you ah. post cool <laughs> photographs but also you have a really cool sense of humor that I really like yeah <laughs> and you're really you on your yeah, stories sure. like no, you don't exactly. pretend to be you know someone no. else or whatever I tr- and I really like that <laughs> I try I try and keep it real on my stories and just try and show people you know more, a bit about me and the personality rather than you know to keeping it very serious and stuff you know so so yeah I, the, up, I, the ups and downs and the, <laughs> the funny sides and you know I love your hard. Austin Powers moment <laughs> yeah yeah baby yeah <laughs> it's all groovy baby yeah <laughs> yeah I know I don't, I don't know where that came from but it just sort of became a thing <laughs> you just- so people no, seem I, to like it i think it's important to say that because you know we all follow a bunch of people and and sometimes i think the image people try to create a picture of themselves online that's not really who they really are they, they can pretend to be someone else to have this dream life to be this I don't know, perfect human being or whatever uh, i don't know and you you I'm seem to be perfect. really authentic online yeah 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 i mean with, I think if you've been following me for a few years as well, you probably saw that like when I had less of a following, I was I was even more like silly and more me. But I kind of try to rein it back a little bit and, and be a bit professional these days because <laughs> you never know who's watching and like I have to be conscious of it. But I used to yeah. do all sorts of stupid stuff in my garden <laughs> with like chainsaws and all crazy shit. But 
you know, like I just get a bit, a little bit, I just, I do have like a second thought sometimes. Maybe I do have to rein it in a bit. And you never know what people are thinking. But at the same time, I try and, you know, keep it real and just show a bit of me and a bit of my personality as well. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's so. interesting, I guess, when you start working with brands, because like you said, they, like anybody could be watching. And if yeah. a potential client that then sees you doing something illegal or I don't know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's kind of it exactly stop yeah. getting work. So it's kind of... Exactly. your portfolio but also your private space would all, like yeah. it's a weird combination. I think there's a balance yeah. yeah it's just I used to be crazy but like I've definitely reined it back a little bit like just to <laughs> you know I mean like when I had like 6,000 followers I was like crazy all over the point but now I've got like 20k I think oh my god who could be watching like I can't I can't be completely stupid all the time you know yeah but still try to keep it real so so you're 25 years old at the moment living in yep. Dubai yep yep but you come from England. People yep, can come probably from, notice the accent. <laughs> yep, come from Brighton, su southern coast. Uh, grew up there. I absolutely love the city. Um, and I moved to, to Dubai in January, just after New Year's. Uh, January, early February, I think, yeah. To start a new career. Well, same career, but with a different company that was doing, you know, more film and like bigger productions. Whereas before in the UK, I was working in a lot of TV and stuff so uh, it's kind of like a, a new level for me um, so yeah so how did you go into this whole photo slash videography uh, was that something you were interested in as a kid child like teenager or yeah um, I think I was always interested in photography I was always interested in videography as well but like I did a lot more photography when I was younger so I studied photography at like college And I used to do a lot of skateboarding as well. And I used to always be filming the guys um, on a GoPro or my iPhone. And uh, I guess, yeah, so I, used, I started out in like urban exploring and stuff. I always used to go into like abandoned buildings, into sewers and stuff. And I used to shoot that, you know, break into places with my brother as well. Like he loves it. We used to make little videos. So I was doing that from like the age of 16, like just taking photos here and there. And then I started studying photography. I got a little bit more serious. But I thought, you know, at the same time I was doing drama and stuff. So I was, I was always on stage and acting and stuff. So oh. that was, that, that's a lot of my childhood as well. I've always been like very creative. And at one point I wanted to go down the acting route. Um, and I wanted to go to drama school. But uh, drama school, I was like 18 at the time. And drama schools tend to accept people a little bit later on. So the age of 21. Okay. And they want you to have a bit more life experience and stuff. Um, so instead of going to drama school, I, I saw there was a film school in Brighton. And I was like, oh, I'm going to give this a go. You know, it was like after one year, you got a HNC. And then after two years, you got HND. So there was the possibility for me to go study there after college and get a qualification each year and potentially leave and then go to drama school. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I fell in love with it. Like I fell in love with being behind the camera and film, filmmaking. I had the opportunity to like be, do some acting in a few short films as well with my friends. And uh, at the time, I was like training to be a first assistant director, which is basically the guy that schedules everything and sort of leads the set, like keeps everything on time um, and doesn't have like a massive creative input. But like, like it was a role that I was fairly good at and that no one else really wanted to do because it's a lot of like stress and scheduling and like balance and stuff. But at the same time, like I was still doing my own photography. Before all this, I went like traveling Um, I went traveling at the age of 18 for five months around Southeast Asia mm -hmm. and I didn't, I was in photo into photography, but like, as I said, like, I didn't think I could make a career out of it and I didn't take a camera with me. I just took a GoPro and I captured my travels on a GoPro and made like a little edit, which is absolutely appalling, but like it's, <laughs> 
But it's amazing as well because like it's so raw and it's like my memories and it's just a video I have of me and my friends traveling through Southeast Asia. And like at, at the same time, I wish I took a camera and it went a drone. I didn't have a drone back then. But at the same time, it was just so nice just to travel and just be in the moment and just not think about shooting sunrise or anything like that. It was before like, it's before I went away to like, to work. It's now like I, you know, I travel a lot, but it's like a working holiday. Even if I'm not working with a company, I'm always like working for myself and creating something. So it was just so free back then, you know? Yeah. So it was amazing. But, uh, but yeah, so I went to film school and, um, as I said, I studied like to be an assistant director to help run the show, and like everybody wanted to be a cameraman and a camera op. So, like every all those all those roles were taken. So, like I mean, I could have done it, but it was just so not competitive. But it was just like I want to do something that everyone else isn't doing. But at the same time, I learned all the camera stuff, but I just didn't shoot necessarily. And then I ended up buying a drone to help me sort of increase the production value of of the short films I was working on. Because, you know, a drone shot at the start, it just adds a little bit of like, wow, and production. And this is when drones are fairly new. My first, well, I say fairly new. My first drone was actually the Mavic Pro 1 about four years ago, I think. And I loved it. And like, as I said, I bought it for my filmmaking, but then it sort of reignited my passion for photography. Mm. So I had stopped taking photos for a year or so. And then like, I didn't really have Instagram, but I went on Instagram and I saw like all these amazing drone photos on like, I don't know, it was probably drone of the day yeah. and that sort of thing. And I was immediately in inspired by it. And I was like, wow, you know, maybe I can start creating some of these amazing photos. And like, I, I started to try and like looking back at like my old Instagram, like, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty poor. But, uh, but slowly over the years, like I sort of developed and like, I just learned how to shoot and, you know, I don't know, it just all sort of snowballed. Yeah. And I, I ended up at the end of uni or film school. So I stayed for three years. I never went to drama school. I, uh, I was sort of the drone guy and like just doing all, all, the, all the drone work yeah. on everybody's production and then like doing it on even like the years below me, like I was being brought onto their productions to do drone work on their productions. And yeah, just ended up getting loads of drone work. And then after uni, I was recommended to work at a... TV house. I got recommended by my film school through the connections there. And I was actually just a receptionist. I worked as a receptionist in like a TV production house, one called Ricochet. It's the largest one in Brighton. And I was a receptionist for like, I don't know, maybe four or five months, like, you know, right at the bottom. And like, I was, I was telling them, you guys, guys, I can shoot, like, get me on location. Yeah. I want to show you, like, I want to be a runner, you know, because it doesn't matter what, what your background is. You start at the bottom, you start yeah. as a receptionist, runner, you know, location assistant, then we have like a role called a researcher, shooting researcher, then you move to assistant producer, and then like, yeah, you keep going up. Mm. So, so yeah, so I was like, you know, I was on reception, it was pretty boring, you know, absolutely awful pay, and I was like, I need to get on location and show these guys what I can do, like, and eventually they, let, they gave me a chance, and they put me on location, and yeah, I smashed it. It's all about just being positive, smiling, you know, doing everything before it's being asked of you, you know, just like, just just really thinking about what's needed, you know, coffees, everything, all the yeah. little rubbish jobs. But, you know, and I did that for like a year, maybe two years. And then I moved up to like location assistant and I was sort of like a shooting location assistant. So I would like, well, I would do all the press deals for one. 
um, for the production. So when you have a TV production, you need a load of press stills for all the advertisement and stuff that goes alongside mm -hmm. promotion. And then like I would shoot all like the B-roll, all the cutaways. So like we're shooting a scene at the seaside, the guy, the main camera guy will be filming the celebrities and I'll be getting all the shots that stitch everything together. Yeah. Yeah. So like the shots of the sea, the shots of the pier, blah, 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 blah. And then, yeah, and then just sort of moved on and like I was working as a drone pilot as well for TV productions. But mainly I was doing... I was doing more camera stuff. The drone work was like, it's here and there, it's, it's pretty hard, especially in the UK and especially like where I, where I was at, like it wasn't my sole like income. It was mm. very like, very partial. Um, and yeah, I moved up and eventually I, I did, my last job in TV was like, I was assistant producer, a shooting assistant producer. So that was like the highest role I got to, which was like, um, you just organize the shoots and stuff. And then I was shooting a drama about some murder series and we were just like a reconstruction series mm. where, where we shoot like actors playing a role of like these horrible, mur horrific murder stories that happened around oh, Sussex. Yeah. So yeah. And then, yeah, and it sort of, yeah, went from there. So before we carry on like could you tell us about um your school because i have honestly no idea exactly how you can spend three years learning about photography or videography you know uh, yeah like what I, I guess you learn so much more than just how to use a camera how to oh yeah for sure and how like uh, yeah can you tell us about that i'm curious so it's kind of Yeah, well, it's kind of like any university when you go to study like, you know, criminology or whatever, like we're not studying videography as such. We're studying like filmmaking and the whole process of filmmaking because it's like it's such a massive thing. When you go and see a film in the cinema, like there's so much has gone into that film. Like and people don't realize like yeah. how much work has gone into that one hour or an hour and a half of, of, of showtime. And it's like three years in the making, you know, like, mm. so it's, it's everything from like pre-production to marketing, script writing, script development. And we don't just learn in the first year, you don't learn how to be a cinematographer or a camera operator. You learn every single role. And then like in this, so you learn how to be like, you do editing, you do like producing, directing, script writing. Like there's, there's roles for people who like for continuity. So like, because you don't film in order and yeah. like, let's say I'm in a scene and I'm, and I'm having a drink in a scene. Like if we're doing multiple takes, we've got to make sure the drink's always the bloody same level. You know, like, there's so I many I always notice people's hair. Details. I'm like, her hair was falling, exactly. now it's hair. back. Why didn't they do that properly? Yeah. Like, that well, always exactly. winds so, me up. Yeah. So there's someone should be doing that. There's someone who, there's a role for that and yeah. someone should be doing that properly and making sure they always look the same. Yeah. So, so it's very much just, The first year is learning about the film industry, learning about the, ro the roles. We make like a documentary. We make a short film. I made a short film about a homeless guy that I wrote in Brighton. Um, and then like, and then the second year you start to like sort of specialize in particular roles. So people, everybody wants to be a writer, director, like a lot yeah. of people do. It's either writer, director or cinematographer. And I went down the more producer, first assistant director role, which is more organizational, like, bringing the team together, helping with like the ideas development and then like all the scheduling. And then on the day, like I said, running, running the show, because you need someone to like be like a team leader to keep everyone on track because the director wants to keep doing takes, keep doing takes. And you've got a certain number of shots or yeah, a certain number of shots you have to get in a day. And if you're not keeping to schedule, you're spending more money on extra days and like you're paying actors, you're paying, you know, your camera hire, everything. So it's all very much bang, bang, bang. Yeah. So then the second year you sort of, you just develop in like, 
in a particular role more. You create more short films. And then the third year is like very much sort of, you should be at industry level and it's like, it's more professional and it's like you have one massive project at the end of the year. Um, So yeah, so yeah, it's just, it's a lot, man. And like, at the same time, we have essays to write, you know, you have your... uh, What's the really long essay you get at the end? Oh, the dissertation. Know. Dissertation, exactly. Like, all that stuff. So it's essentially doing like a three-year uni, uni course, okay. but learning solely about filmmaking. But it's not videography. Like, videography is more run and gun. This is more like like, like the film industry. We, we want to be trained so that we can leave uni and go straight into a set and know how everything works and, you know, just be super professional, essentially. That's and really it, Yeah. Is it yeah. weird that you wanted to be an actor to begin with and then now you're kind of behind the scenes filming actors that I guess you wanted to work alongside and act with? Is that weird? Yeah. Uh, was, it like a, was there ever like a pinch me moment like, holy shit, there's that person that I, <laughs> what I love, whatever? To be fair, I haven't really had one of those moments, but like it is, I guess it is kind of weird, but at the same time, like I know that I made the right decision and acting is very hard and yeah. it can be very lonely and... It can be, you know, most actors are waiters. Unless you really make it, wow. it's 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 super hard. And like my brother, the same wanted to be an actor. We were both very like, but I love being behind the camera, and like I still get to be in front of the camera as well. Like like yeah, yeah. Like on my Instagram, for example, like I'm very much like still. I mean, I know it's completely different. And to be honest, I'm not really working. You know, I'm glad I went down the drone route. Essentially, like I don't know. It would be cool to be an actor, but I think it'd be extremely hard and like. It's a lot. It's a lot of pressure, mm. for sure. Yeah, the lifestyle um, would be different, for sure. Yeah. yeah, the lifestyle would be different. Like, the way everything's gone for me, it's just, you know, it's just all happened, just meant to be. And, you know, it's, mm. been, it's been amazing. And I have no regrets not going down the acting route. Mm. And so you mentioned your brother. You seem to be both recreative. Is that something coming from your parents, from your family? Or you happen to be creative, you to just... Yeah, <laughs> no, completely not. I mean, my dad's a lawyer and he was always very um, sort of anti me going drama school. <laughs> that was another thing, and film school. And the same... <laughs> Sorry, dad. <laughs> 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 and like, same with my brother, I didn't want him going to drama school. And my mom is... I don't know, she, she works in like property and stuff. She's not really creative, you know. Interesting. She doesn't, you know, it's, I don't know where it came from. Just, uh, just came out of, yeah, don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. we, just, we just are yeah no it's interesting yeah but yeah, i can yeah, yeah. yeah i can s- definitely see the the struggle for yeah. non-creative parents yeah. to have <laughs> both kids saying like yeah i'm gonna be an actor or whatever yeah Ooh, I, I'm, he, yeah i'm sure the whole you're not gonna make a living this is not exactly a real job like all He's those like, <laughs> yeah, I, I was really into my dancing as well like i did a lot of dancing when i was younger mm. all sorts so my brother contemporary like i did break dancing as well but uh, but my dad was always a bit like, mm, is, my, <laughs> is my son gay? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how how stereotypical is that? Like, yeah. but uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it is what it is. But uh, but they're very happy now. You know, it's like yeah. it's, everything's paid off, and you know, I I when I was younger, I always struggled academically. You know, I'm really dyslexic, and if you follow me for a while, you'll see like when I type things out on my stories, like words will be spelt wrong, and like and it's just like it's me really like. You can't hide it. I'm very yeah. dyslexic. And, but, but with those weaknesses in English and maths, languages, like came my strengths in the arts, photography, drama, like all the creative stuff. So, you know, it, balance, it balances out. Mm. So, yeah. So you eventually got into sets in England working for this company. Yeah. 
on the side, you said you've been traveling at 18 years old uh, to Southeast yeah. Asia. When did you manage to bring both together and actually travel for a living? How did that come hmm. up? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I used to, see, I used to work. Yeah, I used to work on sets and then like whenever, so I was a freelancer, I was working for a company and then I stopped working for that company and I just like jumped around loads of different production houses, different, different productions that were happening. Um, and like with that life, it's very like, you never know when your next job is and it can be hard. Mm. Um, but it means that you also have like downtime between productions and I used to travel um, in, in those times. Like I used to just save, like I'm very much like, I never spent money on anything other than like a bit of camera gear and traveling and then food and stuff. Like I never bought clothes, I never bought this, I never bought that. So like I was very good at saving money and then I'd spend it all on travel. And people were like, oh, back then they're like, how are you traveling all the time? It's like, well, if you really want to, you can. Yeah. Like you don't, like look at your look at your watch. Did you need Stone to spend 500 pounds on that? <laughs> exactly, like I'm not a materialistic person. Like I'm here for experiences, not for things, you know? Yeah. And that's that's how I traveled to begin with. And I created like content at the time and I wasn't being paid for it, but it was growing my Instagram. And, you know, people were starting to be like, wow, you like get it, you get them following. And, and yeah, and then I guess like, like a massive part of what I do now has been through my Instagram. Like it's done so much for me. And like, and it's got me like amazing jobs and amazing opportunities. You know, I've got to work with amazing companies. Like I've worked with Jeep and Nike, Nike, whatever you want to say, you know, and like, Kinsey, for example, and even the job I have now is like, it all came through my Instagram. Um, and yeah, it's just crazy how it's all happened, really. Like, I don't know. I don't really know how, but it has. And, <laughs> and yeah, and like, I just continued to travel. At the time, I had a girlfriend. Like, we used to travel together whenever we had like time off and just create cool content. And, and yeah. How did it feel when Nike sent you an email? <laughs> oh, it was so crazy. Like... <laughs> I, I was filming the Black Lives Matter movement ah. uh, in Brighton. I was filming ah. all the protests there and I was droning like some of the pro protests and I put it up online and then I got an email saying, hey, you know, we, we, we'd love to like work with you and use this footage for a new campaign for, it was for a Jordan campaign. And yeah, and they just, you know, they paid me to use all the content that I shot, which was mm -hmm. amazing. Wow. And then from that, a big artist called Her, H-E-R, um, she, she then wanted, she was releasing a song called I Can't Breathe, which again, my footage was used for, and it was about um, the, the whole, yeah. the, the death of George and the Black Lives Matter movement, movement. And then that went on to win a MTV Music Awards, a video music awards. Wow. So we won the vid videos for good. So that put me like on the MTV Awards <laughs> and then later went on to win a Grammy. <laughs> I was just like, what? And it was really just luck, like, because... I wasn't brought on to shoot for them, but like this, this, a lot of my footage was used in their videos and the, with the music video and also the Nike video. So yeah. it was just being in the right place at the right time, getting the footage and then somehow being seen, you know, and that was through Instagram. That's amazing. So, yeah. That's crazy I know, like, like how one day you kind of randomly captured some footage and yeah, yeah. I don't know, a month later, it's like, oh shit, that's just got a Grammy MTV music MTV. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> I know. I know it's, it's crazy. So and that's what I mean. It's it's luck, really. But I mean, you. I, I believe you do create your own luck to an extent. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a combination of like preparation and just you know being in the right place at the right time. I guess. 
Well, on the other thing, it's working hard. I mean, you could have just not yeah, filmed that well. day. You could have just been like, oh, I can't yeah. be asked today. And sort of enjoyed it like all my other friends. Yeah, and, not know. done it. Whereas, you know, it takes... That's the thing. It takes work and it takes... I don't know, just something about you to get things done. Yeah, 100%. And I've always been like that. I've always been, like, freakishly, like, just always working. Like, I'll have a, you know, I'll work a nine to five and then I'll go home and I'll edit till, like, 1am, like, my own personal stuff. And, like, that's how things really developed and grew for me. Like, I was... You know, there was a point where I was working for the fire brigade and I was working as a scaffolder as well. This is before I was in the TV industry. And then like I was at uni, but I was also doing all my personal stuff in the evening for like four or five hours and you're having late nights and getting up early. But like it was that constant grind that I guess sort of got me to where I am. Like my friends saw it as well. And they were like, we knew that you would you would go somewhere eventually just like if you just keep grinding at the thing you love yeah. and like not making excuses. I remember like there were people at uni or at film school that uh, all they were doing was film school and I was there working two jobs and doing film school and they're like, oh, we don't have enough time to get the work done. Like, oh, I'm just thinking, yeah, you do. If you want to get it done, you can get it done. It's just about, it's all about mindset at the end of the day. And priorities as well. And priorities, yeah. Like they were just too busy going out and just whatever, smoking weed, whatever yeah. they were doing. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, do you want to make it happen? You can make it happen. You can make your dreams come true if you want to. Like, so, yeah. Well, I'll think, I, I think also, and I, I wonder if it's thanks to your studies, because I know something that a lot of creators struggle with is actually turning the hobby into a business. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, when you have, like you said, Nike reaching out, how much do you charge? Like, you know, random things like that. Like, you, yeah, like what, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, but I if it's Nike... No if it's Nike, then you can. I mean, they actually gave me a budget, and I just doubled it. Okay, like, so, I, I, I have no yeah. idea what I would ask. Literally, like, no I think, fucking clue what I would I think do. Just, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think you've got to. I don't know. People undercharge a lot, and I used to do yeah. it as well. Like, I used to do drone jobs for like two hundred pounds a day, which is, isn't a drone weight rate. You know, a drone rate is is a lot higher. It's probably double that minimum for for a drone operator. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure. Like. The film school definitely helped me get my foot in the door within the within the TV industry, and because they had contacts, and then I was, as I said, I was working as a receptionist, and I worked my way up. But like at the same time, like a lot more of my success, like in my in the drone world, is like through my Instagram. Okay. Um, and yeah, I think you've got to have a rate, and you've just got to stick by it, like, and you've got to increase it as as you as you grow and get better. Like I used to work for free, like, and I had to do that to get the clients. Yeah. But then eventually you can, you know, I mean, camera operators, you know, they charge 500 pounds a day. That's like a standard rate. Mm. And like, I know, I know a video, videographer who's based in Germany. He charges over a thousand euros a day. Yeah. So like, what is the rate? It's really down to you. And like, when you start putting your rate up and saying no to jobs, you'll get like the higher, the higher paying clients and, you know, they pay it or, or you can do like the smaller jobs and work for 200 pounds a day like but i wouldn't work as a videographer for anything under 200 pounds a day now you know i don't i think that's a standard like yeah. minimum but, but i think that takes time to actually build the confidence and also there's always yeah, 100%. This, there's always this struggle like yeah I, I actually want to get 500 but i'm missing out on 200 if i'm saying no to that and i don't know when the 500 is going to be coming 100 percent. So, and I, I used i used to do that i used to be the same and I used, to, I used to not have the confidence and I used to, you know, be like, well, what is your budget? What, what do you want me? For? What do you want me for? Yeah. But now it's like, no, this is the rate and uh, you pay it or you don't. I feel like all photographers but, have been there because I was a photographer 
So, well, I am, but I haven't done any work for a while. But like, yeah. well, we spent three years in Miami and the first year I was doing anything and everything like bachelorette parties, yeah. birthdays, weddings. And it was just like, you know, people would contact me. Hey, can you do a photo shoot for us? And I was like, yeah, what's your budget? And they say 50 quid. And I'd be like, yeah. Okay, let's okay, let's do it. I was thinking more. That's literally me. Seventy-five. <laughs> but if you want, like, it's so hard as well because you kind of think either yeah. I say no and I don't get anything, or I just do it and get fifty. It's yeah, so exactly. Hard to, like, it's a balance. Get there. And it depends where you're at, and like you know, if it's the only income, then it's it's worth doing it. And that's you know, a year ago, it's, it wasn't even that long ago. I was saying the same thing to like my friend, like you know, if I don't take that 150 pounds for a day's work then I don't have 150 pounds but now I don't think I would you know and it's bad for the industry as well because it sort of knocks the rate down for everyone else there should be a standard yeah and like as a photographer you know if you're doing a wedding I would say that a minimum of 30 pounds an hour is Mm. is a standard if you're not if you're not doing a day rate like yeah but you know, people, it's, it just depends on the client and the people and like everybody's, everybody's different, I guess. But I don't know, you've got to sell yourself. You can't doubt yourself. Um, and it's hard, it's extremely competitive. So, you know, if you do go high, you might lose a job. So it's a balance, isn't it? Yeah. I think one of the main issue in, in the whole industry about that is people think when they hire someone, uh, like a photographer, they just see the person coming for an hour, mm. shooting, and that's it. They don't. About the editing, yeah, yeah, they don't see that editing takes way longer because <laughs> you have yeah. to go through hundreds of pictures and yeah. editing them and everything. They don't see that the damn camera and lens cost, you know, <laughs> a shit ton of exactly. money. Exactly, your um, costs are crazy. Yeah, and also they don't see that to actually get the job, you had to spend, you know, I don't know how many hours on building a website and. Yeah. commenting on instagram or whatever marketing yeah. strategy you're going to be doing but it's crazy the, the actual an hour job is probably i don't know 12 15 16 20 hours in total yeah and most people don't know that i don't see that because it's not obvious like we, yeah. we were speaking just before recording like when people see your instagram you know probably they just say oh if i get a drone i'm going to be able to take the same pictures mm-hmm. it's like uh, probably not <laughs> maybe after a few years yeah because you're gonna have to find how to edit that the same it's not that yeah easy, you know? i mean the, the editing is massive i mean one thing you can do is is charge like per image that you then give like per edit editing image is like 30 pounds per edited image yeah. after a job i don't know it's really hard like i don't really i don't really do many specifically photography jobs i don't yeah. like yeah. you know i worked as a camera operator in the tv industry and i worked at, and i work as a drone pilot and for that is there's a specific rate and now even fpv like fpv is, even, is an even higher rate because it's such a specialist skill yeah. you know and i've spent like hun- almost hundreds of hours like learning it and like you know so it's hard for me to sort of comment on it because I haven't really, I've done one wedding and as I said, like I charge 30 pounds an hour and that, that was the rate I got. Mm. But other than that, I don't really do, unless I'm working with brands, I don't really do many photo shoots. And like, for for example, like I work, I've worked with GTEC before, they give me a product and one post, 15 images. It was, the rate was 300 pounds for I get I get the three hundred pounds and I get the free project product, product. Yeah. but I also have to post one post on my Instagram. So that's one example of, of what I've charged. But like as I said, for me it's more like less videography. I suppose I'm a videographer for Kinsey, who's like kind of a celebrity figure. 
on social media and yeah i mean that is a that's that's a pretty good rate for that but uh, other than that i don't do i don't do like specific shoots it's more like drone pilot rate mm. how did she find so. you on instagram again was it mm-hmm. just on the explore page she just messaged me out of the blue <laughs> hey hey I'm, I'm traveling this summer i need a photographer and videographer are you available <laughs> yeah so maybe for people don't know her, she's got like three something millions followers yeah, on instagram four, four million yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she's trying to create more of like a travel adventure Instagram, and like, yeah, she she needs she makes money off her content, so she needs someone who is a professional to to shoot that content and, and document it. So yeah, I just travel with her. She she covers my travel, and we have like a, a weekly rate, which isn't isn't like it's not as good as my drone rate, my drone day rate, but it's a you know I, I'm happy with it. Yeah, and uh, you know I get to travel the world, and she's super awesome. Like we get on really well. And I'm just taking photos of her and, and documenting her travels with video as well. So it's pretty, it's a dream job, really. But it's, it's a lot of, it's a, it's a grind, you know. People see that I'm just traveling for that. They're like, oh, it's so easy. Yeah. But like, I'm working like 14 hour days. Like it's, it's the shooting, it's the editing, the organize. I'm very like funny about how I organize my files. Everything has to be like it perfect, you know. Mm. So it's a lot of stuff and like. You know, just downloading the footage can take a couple of hours yeah. and, organize, and organizing everything. Especially when you're in a tiny little cabin <sighs> on the rock yeah. in, where was it, Peru, something like that? Yeah, that was, that was scary, man. <laughs> that was scary. I mean, I had to hike like 400 meters uphill with 20 kilos of camera that in my insane. bag. That looked insane. I was being pulled off like, oh my God, Kinsey, what are you making <laughs> me do? <laughs> but yeah, so, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, and then with regards to like the drone photography and stuff, like it's not just like you say, you take a picture and that's it. That's yeah. your banger or whatever. Like the amount of preparation that I do before my trips with like mm-hmm. research into locations and stuff like, and you know, it's, it's a lot of work. And then again, like it's the editing as well. Like I've got so much stuff that I want to share with everybody, but I just don't have time to share my personal work. Like I'm st- I've still got like countless images from Iceland last year to edit and <laughs> I have no time to edit them. And I've, then I've got everything this year. And like, even America, like two years ago, I've still got like loads of stuff from there that I haven't even had a chance to look at. But like, you know, I want, I want to do more video, but it's just, uh, everything's just like, ah, it just takes so much time, you know? Mm. And I'm trying to balance my Instagram with my, with my job. But, you know, I think obviously being paid and, and working prioritizes over Instagram. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I enjoy the shooting and I... I love just getting up and just exploring. And I love the fact that photography allows you to see so much more when you're away, you know? It makes me get up for sunrise. It makes me, you know, Mm. just do so much more and just experience things a lot more. And then, you know, when I get home, like, I'm not not massively keen on just editing loads. Like, I like editing photos, but I don't want to be sat behind a computer all day editing, you know? It's, It's not what's important to me. So occasionally I'll bang out a quick edit, but yeah, it just takes, I'm, takes I'm, me time. I'm the same. I, I love yeah. flying the drone. Yeah. But, but I'm your editor. I'm like, can you edit this picture? Because <laughs> I really want to see the result. It's going to be cool. I know it's a good one, but <laughs> I can't be us right now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. You need to find someone who can be your personal editor, whether that's someone I you know, pay or whether that's a girlfriend or whatever. Like. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I, ha- I have to do it myself. I don't know. I feel like it has to be me. Yeah. I don't know, I'm just funny. I'm funny about that. <laughs> but maybe someone to maybe someone to edit my videos. That would be ideal. Oh, video like, editing. I hate it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. out of all the places that you've been to, where would you say? I'll give you top three because I know top one is always a hard one. Where, like, where's the places that you've been? It's like, holy shit, I need to go back, or holy shit, this is incredible. Mm, always Iceland. I okay. love Iceland. It's like no other place. And I was pretty gutted because 
you know, I went there recently and I saw the volcano and I saw the lava, but the weather conditions were so bad that oh, yeah. I never get, I, I never got to see the crater. It was constantly foggy and raining and cloudy. So That's yeah, I was a bit gutting. Mm. And like my wheel, my wheel fell off my car. Oh my God, yeah, I've seen that. That was hilarious. <laughs> and that was... That, that was when we were driving to like a sunrise shoot at the volcano when it had beautiful conditions and I would have seen the crater. Oh, but the wheel came off and it completely messed everything up. Um, it's definitely Iceland. America as well. Like I have very good memories of my road trip through America. We did that in a 31 foot RV and like the landscapes there are just insane. Mm. Like it's just like, honestly, it's like no other place. Um, absolutely love it there. Indonesia as well is a, is a big one for me. I love Indonesia and there's so much more to see. Yeah. Um, those are probably my top three. I mean, Peru as well, like South America obviously is amazing. It's really hard, but I would probably go from what I've experienced, like Indonesia, Iceland, and uh, North America. But there's so much more to see, you know. Yeah. And like Saudi as well, I spent some spent a month in Saudi Arabia in Neom, um, working as a pilot out there, and like the landscapes there were like just like none, no other ones I've ever seen before. Yeah. It was incredible. Mm. So, yeah, it's really hard to say what's your top three. Everywhere's just so different. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know, you've just got to experience life and travel and just see all these places while you can. Is there somewhere that you're looking forward to going that's, like, on your list? I haven't got any trips planned, you know, but uh, I really want to go to Greenland. I would love to visit mm. Greenland. Um, so, yeah, that's probably one, one for me. Yeah, and, well, don't wait for too long because... <laughs> it's melting yeah also i'm by traveling to these places i'm not i'm not helping either like yeah. my carbon my carbon footprint probably is a bit worse than most people my age yeah. but like most of my traveling is for work but uh you know it's just, it's, a, it's a fine balance isn't there and it's like i don't know no yeah <laughs> it's tough it's a tough one isn't it, it is, for sure. <laughs> so you you mentioned before fpv so if we build the know, so i think everyone know about drone right now uh, we don't need to explain that but maybe people don't know fpv so fpv stands for uh first person view first point of view or i don't know yep. yeah yeah and first person so view. basically you have some uh like a helmet like goggles or something yeah like um what's the word i'm looking for yeah they are goggles vr yeah goggles, vr here yeah. we are so i was looking for yeah and the drone allows you to literally go like to every single direction as you want you're not limited like the dji to up down left right you can like go up and dive straight and do flips and and everything and it's really really hard to control everything is manual pretty much yeah apart from the new dji one that has got some things but you you mount your gopro on it you 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 kind of build the drone yourself you put the camera that you want and and you can capture absolutely insane footage going through buildings and you went yeah. through a car last week in Iceland. That was yeah. freaking insane. <laughs> a moving car yeah. as well. It's, I mean, I've gone through a car a few times, but to go through a moving car is kind of like, it's a little, it's a little bit harder because obviously the air, it's the way that the air moves. The air inside the car is traveling at the speed of the car and obviously the air outside the car yeah. is different. So when you go in the car, the so, drone is then yeah. like hit off course. <laughs> But I was lucky, like it took me three takes and I, I did it. I was so lucky. I was so stoked. I was going to ask how but, uh, many did you break before you got it? <laughs> uh, I didn't break, to be fair, I didn't break any in the car, but I have broken uh, my drones a couple of times for sure. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I should share that clip actually because I've actually, I've edited that. Mm. But uh, again, like I edit it and then I'll just fucking <laughs> keep it, keep it on my hard drive forever. <laughs> 
No, I'm going to be working on a showreel, so I think it might be the opening clip of the showreel, maybe mm. like an FPV showreel, you know. Mm. So yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, it's it's a great hobby, you know, and like you say, everything's fully manual. It's called acro, so you can fly acro mode. The drone can do flips, somersaults, dives, anything. My drone travels up to 150 miles an hour, but the battery life is about three minutes, so it's incredibly dangerous as well. Oh, Got to yeah. remember that, and it takes a lot of skill. Like you have throttle control, which means that you can like. It's just everything is so sensitive and you can get super close to things. You can get through super tight gaps, even though it's a lot harder than flying a normal drone. Once you like master it, it allows you to like fly a lot more risky and do a lot more than a normal drone could do. Mm. Like, as you say, fly through a car window. Like I've done that once with a Mavic Air before, but like it's extremely hard compared to with an FPV. You can just be so um, precise of your movements. Um, and you know it's a thrill as well because you are the drone you see what the drone sees you don't fly it use by visual line of sight you are almost like a fly or a bird and yeah you're seeing everything the drone sees so it's an amazing way to explore your surroundings like you can dive down waterfalls you can just go places that you couldn't go but they're a lot more sketchy than the traditional like dji drones because there's no fail safe if i lose signal which happens often like if i fly behind a big rock the drone's just going to fall out of the sky so you have to be very you have to be, exactly you have to be very conscious of who's around you have to be very conscious of what's around of where you are you have to be where you are standing in relation to your drone so if i want to fly all the way around a house ideally i want to be on the roof of the house mm. so that my signal isn't blocked by anything it's like that sort of thing mm. i mean there is there is some penetration for sure like i can fly through buildings but depending on how big the building is like eventually the signal is going to drop out um, and I had a friend that was flying in Iceland and he flew behind a big rock and his drone just fell out of the sky, smashed, lost the drone. Like, you know, you lose the GoPro. Like, I've gone through two GoPros. I've only been doing it six months. So I guess it's an expensive hobby. Yeah. But once you once you do it, and because I've got drone clients anyway, like it's a new thing, especially yeah. in Brighton. And like people are like wowed by it. Like, yeah. you know, and, and, and then you can charge them all for it, you know. So it, well, once you master it, it pays off. But uh, it's, yeah, it's... It's a lot. I must admit it's not my favourite because <laughs> I don't like roller coasters and I feel yeah. like when I'm watching that I'm on a crazy roller coaster yep. that's just a, a bit too much for me. Yeah, a lot of people don't like it. A lot of people think it's just too hectic. I know another guy who's like, yeah, it's just too hectic. You know, I don't like it, but I don't know. It just depends on... Um, Depends on how you're shooting yeah. and what, what you're doing. I think it you can, can be good. I think it's just because I'm, like, I'm scared of heights and falling and when you see it going literally up... Uh, yeah, it could be skyscraper good, yeah. and then coming straight back down again. I'm like, Whoa! oh my god! Like, <laughs> it could be scary. It could be scary. Yeah. And like, you're like, ah, he's gonna crash. Like, yeah, it's more that yeah. that gets me. I mean, traditionally they were flown for like racing. You know, they're racing drones essentially, oh, okay. I didn't know that. and also like freestyle. And then Johnny FPV, who you guys obviously know, and like who a lot of people listening to this will know. Johnny FPV, I believe, was like the first person to start like mounting GoPros on them. Mm. So he used to race drones, and then he started using it like for cinema and yeah and now like it's developed so much in like the last year two years like at the company i work for now we like fly red komodos on a much larger platform so it's like almost like a similar width to an inspire 2 but you can mount a cinema camera on top mm. of it wow. so yeah it's just so now we they're using it more in the film industry and advertisement and stuff and the technology keeps developing yeah. um, and I'm, I'm sure you guys saw the the Porsche video 
the that was shot with the yeah. wave um the wave is a super super slow mo camera it shoots like a hundred a thousand frames per second wow. and that was like a whole a whole new thing like fpv slow mo with a porsche drifting through sand and snow it was absolutely insane like it's just you know that was johnny fpv again and like he's just always raising the boundaries of what is possible and like the the shots that you can get now is just like you know you know helicopters and big jibs and all that stuff is sort of fading out and yeah. like the drones drones have just taken over the, the industry i i do so. remember the first time i saw the johnny fpv footage uh, a while ago i thought it was fake i thought it was a video game the first yeah, time exactly it's it, it was so smooth and crazy that i thought that can't be real like that can't possibly be real footage like you can't just capture that um, yeah it's it's insane but i know like they actually filmed that in dubai and mm. um we have a pilot here who's super good and he was potentially going to do it and we know that he crashed like 14 drones getting that getting that footage so <laughs> it just shows goes to show like yeah you know, how how much you do crash? Risk it for the like, biscuit. <laughs> yes, yeah. Jeremy. That's what you say. <laughs> risk it for the risk biscuit. It for the biscuit. How, how British! <laughs> I love that. I got him saying like super English things. All our American listeners are gonna be like, "What the heck did Jeremy just say, guys? This totally is English. Good. Risk it for the biscuit." Oh my god, I've never been more proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> if if we go back to your personal story, how did you end up? getting this job in Dubai. Yeah, so again, it's kind of through through my Instagram partly. So some of the most amazing people that I've met, I've met through Instagram, right? So like I've done trips with people that I know and I've met through Instagram. And one of the guys that he essentially kind of got me this job. So his name's Kai. He's the other pilot here. He's a really good FPV pilot. He was based in Brighton as well. And I saw some of his FPV work way before I was flying FPV and I was blown away by the stuff that he was doing. I was like, wow. So I reached out to him and was like, hey, let's, let's meet up. Let's go for a shoot or whatever. And eventually, like, we, did, we met up and we went for a shoot and um, we got on really well. And he used to be a, a professional athlete, parkour athlete. So he has loads of connections in Dubai with ex-Dubai, which is like a, uh, I guess it's like parkour, sort of extreme sports here in Dubai. Um, and he was sort of transitioning from being an athlete to being like drones and stuff. And like we went on a shoot together and a friend of his out here or a colleague, somebody he's worked with out here, was setting up a new business and they were looking for another pilot. And uh, he thought that I would maybe be a good fit. Like we got on well and he'd love my work. So he recommended me to the, my boss out here. And like they, so he checked me out, checked out my Instagram. He loves what I'd created on Instagram. Could see that I had an eye for making a good shot. And everything like that and uh and yeah and then they flew me out here for like a test and stuff and did some training and just yeah stayed out here but again it was through relationships mm -hmm. on instagram essentially and using my instagram as a portfolio um to show what i can do um and that's yeah it's crazy like some of the best well my best opportunities in life have come from instagram <laughs> i feel <laughs> like a... i feel like the moral of this story is work hard and work on instagram like do an instagram account <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not all, you know, some of the best photographers in the world don't even have Instagram, yeah. you know, but for me, it's just been really helpful. And like, I know a lot of people struggle with it. And like, you know, they just don't get the results they're looking for. But like, I was never really chasing anything. It just sort of happened. You know, I didn't start Instagram for any reason, like other than just to share my work and I was inspired, but I just sort of snowballed. I think the most important thing is that like, connecting with people and like, 
you know, meeting new people and just, just always putting out your best work. And Instagram isn't the best place anymore if you want to grow and stuff. Like, but I don't know. It's definitely been good for me, yeah. and I recommend it to, to people. Like, it's a great platform if you want to like, you know, show show yourself to the world. Yeah. Um, but but it's super hard as well. Yeah. It can be super depressing. Like, I know a lot of people struggle. It with can it, be a full time so. job as well. It can be a full time <laughs> job exactly. Like, I only have time. Like, I would love to post every day, but I don't have time for that. You know, I post once, maybe twice a week. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah. So what kind of job do you do right now in Dubai? What kind of what what things do you shoot? Sure. So I'm, I'm a yeah I'm a pilot. We do all sorts. Like we do big films, like Mission Impossible. Or oh wow! We were, we were, we're filming David Guetta in a month. Like he's doing a performance here. Oh, on the top of the, top of the yeah. So Burj Al Arab. Yeah. yeah. So I did that when I first came out here. I shot David Guetta on the Burj Al Arab helipad. That was I remember like, that. For, for COVID, like a free concert. But he's coming back to Dubai, and we've got another shoot here where we're doing drone stuff. I'm filming the Expo um, Expo 2020. So doing all the aerial stuff for that. So yeah, a lot of adverts as well. So it's sort of like a next, so for my TV stuff, TV's more like run and gun, not as big budget. So mm. all this stuff is more big budget, sort of next level um, films and adverts and stuff. So that's mainly what I do out here. You know, like my, I got, I was going to stay in England for a little bit longer, but I came back because they needed me for a shoot where uh, there's a lot of advertisement. You know, the Burj Khalifa has a massive LED screen. Mm. So we were filming like some advert on that screen. Like we were just doing the aerials for it. Wow. So just that sort of stuff. And when I'm not droning, I'm like working as a on the ground cameraman or a technician, like essentially assistant camera. Um, just, yeah, just doing whatever. Mm. Really. And you're planning to stay there for how long as you like it? <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I, yeah, it's a good question. I don't really have plans. Like, that's, I've never really been a planner and it's just things that just ha just happen. Mm. So I'm not really sure how long I'm going to stay here. I'm definitely going to like give it a good go and like I'm learning things at this company that I wouldn't be able to do and mm. learn in England. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I'm not building my own personal business in England. So like there's always things that, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like a playoff of things. But I love it here and I love, and I love my team. And, you know, we're going... You know, I never flew, I hadn't flown the Inspire 2 before I came out here. I was a Mavic, Mavic man. Mm. Um, and like Inspire 2 is so different because you work with a camera operator, right? So I don't control the camera. I just fly the drone and I, I fly it in a way that the camera operator requests a shot. Mm. And I have to make that shot happen through flying the drone smoothly along the flight path that he wants. But it can get confusing because the orientation of the drone now isn't the same as where the camera is looking. Mm. So like with, with, a, with a Mavic, you know, sort of yeah. left and right is this way by looking where the camera's looking. Yeah. But like if I'm flying this way and the camera's looking that way, all of a sudden my stick inputs are different to what the camera's seeing. So you have to like sort of work that out to understand what, you have to work out the orientation of the drone to understand what inputs you need to do to, to get the shot, if that makes sense. Yeah, and like yeah. when I first came out here, I struggled with it. I'm not going to lie. Like it was just different to flying a Mavic. Mm. But, uh, but I've got used to it. And now like I'm looking at flying bigger heavy lifters. So like we've got a big, like it's like a $70,000 drone. It's like, it's massive and it lifts like the big cinema cameras, like mm. the Ari, Ari Alexas, wow. and the, the red cameras and stuff. So, you know, I wanna, I wanna keep learning and stuff. So I'm not sure how long I'll stay here. You know, my visa's for three years. I was thinking may maybe five years, maybe three years, maybe, maybe forever, who knows? <laughs> no, I wouldn't wanna stay here forever. I don't think like I love my life in England and Dubai is very, very different, but uh, you know, wherever the work takes me is uh, is where I'll be. You know, I'm not not planning or anything. Just just riding the riding yeah. the waves. You know, 
riding the roller coaster. <laughs> like, do you have a personal preference goal in terms of career? For example, if you have to choose between um, doing what you do right now, being a drone operator for a company, or maybe, for example, if you have to choose between now or working with, uh, what's her name, Kinsey, you said, and traveling the world, shooting people traveling in life, for example, like, what would you pick? Assuming the money would be the same, you know, like it's not money talking, yeah, yeah. it's more like a personal Yeah, yeah no, desire. of course, not about the money. It's never about the money for me really either. But I honestly think I would stick with drones in the film industry and what I'm doing now. I still get to travel a bit, like we go to Saudi Arabia, uh, we have a shoot in India. But thing is, it's like, it's more professional and like Kinsey stuff is amazing, but like it's everything that I can already do, you know, it's yeah. a videographer, okay, it's great. taking photos. I'm not necessarily learning and growing, yeah. you know. I'm getting sick experiences and getting to travel the world, but also the work isn't always there either. Kinsey's not always traveling, so it's not going to be a full-time job. So, but hopefully I can balance both of them. And if not, like, you know, I, I would definitely stay here in the film industry, flying drones. You know, that's really where I've like sort of specialized in now. And, you know, I'll travel in my own time, you know, I'll, I'll pay for my own travel. I don't care, yeah. you know, like, yeah. you know, you, you can do it cheap and, uh, Definitely. Yeah, I will continue to travel, but like I can't travel all the time anyway. You know, it's not it's not sustainable. <laughs> I've got a question yeah. about that. I'm going to come in in a minute, uh, but before that, do you think because now drones are so accessible and fairly cheap, like you can get a pretty decent drone now for two or three hundred bucks, the the mini? Yeah, um, fairly decent. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it's a good starting point for someone who doesn't point, have like obvious, a, yeah. a high budget. Do you think it is possible to get into professional drone operating things like you do from someone who hasn't done any school like you did just by yeah, learning 100%. yourself and everything? Like, do you think you can get there? Yeah. So the school that, that what I did at film school really didn't, you know, they didn't teach me anything about drones. All All my drone stuff is like from me and just from, just from continuing to like progress and like, in fact, I started picking up drones. It was the last year of film school that I got a drone. And then everything beyond that has just been me. Like the film school allowed me to work in TV, but then like the drone stuff is all me. And I guess, yeah, it is, is very possible, but it's hard. It depends where you are as well. Like England is incredibly competitive. It's far easier for me. Like it's less competitive in Dubai in terms of drone stuff. Um, but yeah, but you can do it, but you just got to build up, you know, you got to build, somehow you got to build up clients. That was one thing. The TV industry was great because every production network. always wants a drone shot, you know? Yeah, it's a network. So that definitely helped. But in terms of skills and stuff, you can do it. And then it's just like marketing yourself, somehow being seen. And like, that has been like, like I say, Instagram for me. But, you know, it's not, it's definitely not easy. Hmm. It's definitely not easy. Yeah. I know a lot of people that have tried and like, you know, you've got to be good or, you know, or you've got to be rubbish and, and charge a really bad <laughs> <laughs> it's possible for sure you've just you've just got to go for yeah. it really like and it's like a side hustle you know like I was doing drones when I was you know I was a scaffolder for like a year or so and I worked in the fire service as well for five years and you know drones was on the side it was never a full-time career for me it's only now five years later that I can do it as a full-time career and even now like here in Dubai I'm not working every day you know I work for a company I have a retainer but I I'm not working every day, so it's not like you know. If you, yeah. if money if money is your priority, then maybe it's not the best thing for you. You know, you're not you're never gonna be like a multi millionaire or, or even a millionaire unless you have your own company. You know, like mm. 
it's more about the pleasure for me. So, but yes, you can do it. Is the answer to the question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I go on a bit. <laughs> right. um, maybe to talk on a, a little funny story on the less bright side of traveling the world as a drone operator, photographer, and everything. Can you tell us about your little misadventure in Sweden a few months ago? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was actually flying to Iceland to work with Kinsey for the first time. And uh, yeah, I mean, COVID, what a nightmare. COVID is so making it so hard to travel. The amount of paperwork yeah. and the amount of extra money you spend, like even just my recent Iceland trip, it's like 250 pounds in bloody COVID tests. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I was traveling to Iceland from Dubai And I had to transfer in Sweden. I didn't book the flights personally, and like I would never have thought it would be a problem. But after after you know, I had like the 13-hour flight to Sweden from Dubai, and I arrived in in Sweden to transfer onto an Iceland Air flight, and they wouldn't let me through border security, and they said that I had to be deported because you're British and the Britain are no longer in the EU. And because of COVID, anyone outside of the EU is not allowed to transfer through Sweden, which is obviously in the small print somewhere. But like they let me on the flight and, you know, you would never have thought it'd be a thing. So I had to wait for eight hours in like the border detention. They took my passport, took everything. And eventually they deported me back to Dubai. So it took me 36 hours and I went from Dubai <laughs> to Dubai. And when I got back to Dubai, my baggage was missing. They had lost my baggage and my baggage had like four grand worth of like equipment in. And like, I don't normally put my equipment in my check baggage, but I literally couldn't physically carry any more on, on my, in my rucksack. You know, my camera bag's full and it's already way too heavy. So it's like all my chargers, all my extra drone, all the FPV drones, like every charger you can think of, like just all the, all the little bits that essentially I can't take in my bag. I only take my Mavic Pro 2, my camera, my lenses, my DJI goggles and like all that stuff in my ca in my camera bag, which I take on the plane with me, which is like 20 kilos already, <laughs> which is like 12 kilos over the allowance. So yeah, so I lost my bag and that was missing for a month. And then I had a job of Kinsey, so I had to bloody, I had to buy everything again. So I had to spend like 500 quid and all these charges and everything. And I didn't have the FPV drone and or drones. And then, yeah, and then eventually I managed to meet her in Austria. So I missed out on a week's work in Iceland. I you know, I missed out on the flights, I lost my baggage, spent more money on that. So it was absolutely hell, man. Like, and I'm still emailing the people now trying to claim back the 500 pounds that I spent. I had no clothes. I had all my clothes were in that bag because I'd moved to Dubai. I had no boxes, like one pair of boxes. <laughs> like it was horrific. I had to go to H&M, like buy a load of cheap clothes and, you know, and I'm still fighting to get the money back now. But I mean, who knows, you know, like it's a, it's a nightmare. So, yeah. I can imagine but, you going through security as well. I mean, it's bad enough us going through security, but I can imagine you could be even worse. And you have to get every single electrical item oh out. My God. And then you have to I pack have, it all uh, back up again and not break anything yeah. while everyone's rushing around with you. Like, I have like 30 batteries that I carry with me. Because <laughs> FPV, FPV only, the batteries are three minute flight times. So you need to have a lot, oh, wow. especially if you're traveling. So like, People are always stopping me. They're like, why have you got all these, bat like, why all these batteries? And they're like, no, you're not allowed to take all these batteries. And I'm like, yes, actually you are. And I have to show them like that you can. And there's a certain allowance. But yeah, I, I always get stopped. Yeah. Always get stopped. It's such a nightmare. Yeah. But uh, 
just got to smile and you know be, be cheerful and you know they're, they're okay yeah. <laughs> at least you can say you've been deported once it's a brief fun story yeah. <laughs> but yeah i was yeah. following the stories like live when you're posting them exactly. like, oh my god it's, it's, so it's funny but it's bad but it's funny <laughs> it's funny it's bad like you gotta see the bright side of it and not, not get too upset but uh I mean, that's it's highlighted on my on my Instagram, oh. like some of my some of my highlights. Just not so much for anyone else, but just for me. So, like in ten years' time, I can look back and just I've got that whole story there, and it's just it's it's funny, isn't it? And also, it happened recently. So recently, when I was filming with Kinsey in South America, I then had to because South America is a red zone to the UK. I had to go. I didn't have to do anything, but I went to Iceland for ten days instead of quarantining in a hotel in England. Mm. And uh, when I was transferring through America, it happened again, like my, whatever the visa thing is, you need to transfer through America, like hadn't worked, even though I got the confirmation. I always spent like five hours in detention in, in America. And they're such arses. It's a scary like, place to be in detention. <laughs> it was horrible. And they would, you're not allowed to go on your phone. Like I was just sitting there five hours. I was just waiting for them to like, speak to me, like what is going on? And eventually they let, they let me out. But I, was, I got talking to some Argentinians that were there and they'd been there for two days, like just sitting on this chair, waiting to get a flight back to Argentina. So yeah, it's, I've had a lot of, I was like, I was like, no way is this happening to me again. Like, I'm not being deported from America as well. This could not be happening. Like, what is going on? So yeah, so there's always like, there's always downsides to traveling, especially in COVID. Yeah. yeah. COVID is... Yeah, it's not good, but I need to do it for work. So. Well, COVID and Brexit. I mean, you got a double whammy. COVID and Brexit. Yeah. It's horrible. I'm, you know, Brexit's an absolute shambles. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't even get started. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go into politics. Uh, I've got one, like, one last question about your what you do about photography. Do you have one favorite shot that you took? I don't. I did. I don't have one favorite shot anymore, no. I mean... One shot that really put me on the map, I guess, was the shot I took in Indonesia of Tumpak Su waterfall with a, it's like a massive waterfall with a volcano behind. Mm. And that was the first shot that I won like a competition with. And that was the one that took me to America and like I won a competition out there and like they paid for my travel and then I spent a month in America after that. So that was like one that like obviously has a good memory and like it was like, I don't know, I guess a big point in my life. Mm. And it went on to like win the British Photography Awards as well. Mm. So yeah, it was really good. But I think now like there's a few like that, maybe one of them. I'm not even so keen on that shot anymore, but there's a few. I mean, it's a good shot, but you know, I don't know. It's an old one, but there's a few shots. I mean, the one in Dubai I took with this, with all the clouds, the with the fog and all the buildings coming out. Mm. That's definitely one. There was one that I took recently in Iceland. That I, just, I just posted recently. That was definitely up there one of my favorite but no there's i don't really have a favorite i have favorites for different reasons yeah so so yeah what yeah, it's so hard one of your most one. i don't know successful one that's been i've seen shared like so many times is the one in uh, stonehenge stonehenge oh, like, with stonehenge, the foggy yeah, yeah. like sunrise oh, got, or whatever like so you got lucky. so much things for this one yeah i got so lucky with that shot like it was just like a last minute decision just to send it like four hours on a road trip with my buddy james just to just to go see stonehenge and then we, I mean, we got there for sunset, it was lovely, and then we woke up for sunrise and there was just quite a layer of fog. I mean, how lucky. Um, put the drone up, which obviously technically isn't allowed, oh. but <laughs> we did it, you know, it's a, what is it, National Trust site, yeah. where they've got all these silly rules. But they don't own the airspace, <laughs> tell them that. But uh, I spoke to the security and they were like, you know, you're not allowed to do it, but we're not going to do anything. You know, we're not going to chase after yeah. you. Yeah. So I was like, 
Mm. Okay then, <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> so you're kind of telling me that I can do it even if I can't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But uh, you know, I think as long as you're safe, yeah, that's all that matters really. Yeah. Yeah, no one's around at sunrise, so just don't get too close. But yeah, no, that, that's that's one of my favorite shots as well. Actually, I love that shot. Yeah. It's interesting how I, after what you said, I've noticed something. It's not just you then. What? That you have a shot that you love, and then I think your technique evolve your editing skills yeah. evolve and six months later it's like meh it's all right yeah. <laughs> i can be exactly, like obsessed yeah. with a photograph i'm like oh my gosh this is the most beautiful thing and then literally a week later i'm like oh god i hate it <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah but i'm like that as well yeah i don't know i think with me like the sh every photograph has a has a memory for me so that plays a part in it as well yeah um, but it's so hard to nail down to one shot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Right, yeah. we have one final question that we ask everybody. <laughs> if you could speak to anybody, dead or alive, famous or not famous, it can literally be anybody. I know. I'm sorry we're doing this. We do it every time. Everyone pulls face like, oh my God. Interesting. Who would it be and why? Like we said, it can be literally anybody. Well, that you think is like really like super interesting. Did I not maybe, that maybe David Attenborough, you know? Yes. <laughs> I mean, the reasons, are, the reasons are obvious, you know, I just find him so fascinating and, you know, he's just got so much knowledge and stuff that you could learn. Um, and then I guess if it wasn't David Attenborough, I've always been a massive Queen fan oh. ever since I was a mm. kid. Like, I absolutely love Queen and I would love to, I would love to speak to Freddie Mercury. Oh. Like, that would be, am that would be amazing. Oh, that's so random. Yeah. <laughs> but like, Queen played a massive part of my childhood. So, so yeah, mm. but probably, probably David Attenborough, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, you, st answer. you still have a shot. Make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just give him a message. <laughs> oh my God, can we do that for the podcast? Right. I mean, you can try. <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel like he's every English person, every English person's like he, granddad almost. Like He's a hero, isn't he's he? He's an absolute hero. He's such a legend. Yeah. I thought you were going to say he's yeah. cute. Oh, he's so cute. Of course he is. Uh, he's super cute. He's so cute. But I feel like he's like everybody's granddad. Like we all grew up watching his TV shows. Yeah. I think he was just like throughout all the like English homes when we were kids, learning about nature with his he, he, calming he's amazing. voice. There, yeah. There's no one like him. And you know, when the day that he goes, it'll be extremely sad. Yeah. Um, he's just incredible. And what he's done for like the planet and awareness as well is just, he's so powerful yeah. the way he says things. And he's experienced so much. And yeah. And his voice, it's crazy how much, <laughs> like everyone knows his voice. I mean, not yeah. everyone, but like, you, you hear it, you know him, it's him. Like, he's got such a yeah. particular 100%. thing, yeah. What, what about you guys? Who would you want to talk to? <laughs> so I usually always say my granddad, who I never met, my mum's dad, because um, my grandma still talks about him, like as if, you know, she's still, she's still madly in love with him and he died 40 years ago or something. All right. Um, but Dave and Dattenborough so would be one. a close second. I, now you've said I wouldn't that. have thought about that. I mean, I would love to speak to my granddad again as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's one they always say. Yeah, Dave and Dattenborough would be a good one. You'd be a good one. What about you? Jeremy changes his. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd go back to the same. Yeah, right now, mine would be Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I would try to sneak a ticket to go to space. <laughs> Inter interesting. Can you invite yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Good old, good old Elon, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think Elon's a funny one, to be honest. He's so such a weird character. character. He's like yeah. this really geeky, nerd, incredible businessman, very socially awkward guy that goes yeah. on stage. It's, it's such an intrigue. <laughs> like, 
pumps sh- pumps shit coins. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. He's so strange that yeah, I'd love to a strange pick one. his brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And having such a you know like huge vision of oh yeah, I just want to create a backup for the human species, you know, and go to Mars. So even if the first thing blow up, like we have a backup. Yeah, like, that's never been an idea. You know, that. just <laughs> casual, like yeah. okay. Just casual. We'll just go and ruin another planet. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, he's probably going to make it happen because he's fucking yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah, is the yeah. crazy part. Yeah. It's not just a crazy yeah, he dream. He's actually good at operation, operating and executing, which is mad. It needs to happen. It's crazy. Anyway, with all anyway, that being said. <laughs> if people want to see your work, wants to work with you, wants to say hi, what's the best place to get in touch? Instagram, obviously. Definitely Instagram. Yeah. Instagram. Yeah, I mean, like... That's one thing I've always done. Like I've always been about like the community, and I, you know, I have no message requests. I answer everybody. I answer every question. It's true. He does. Like, I can I, say it. I, I honestly <laughs> do. Like any advice, like I'm always happy to give it. You know, I'll probably send you voice notes, which some people are like. Oh my god, he's sending me voice <laughs> notes, but it's so much easier yeah. for me if you want to like if you really want to understand like how to do something. You know, I, you know, I'm always happy to share. So yeah, just send me a message on Instagram, and I will definitely get back to you. Like 100. percent Perfect. Um, so yeah. Thank you. Cool. Thank you so much no for this conversation. I really enjoyed it. It was really cool to get to know you more and yeah, just learn about, you know, everything we don't see on your yeah, account, all sure. the all the hard work that it takes also. I think it's really important to talk about it more because it's not just the dreamy life. You you can also get deported stuff <laughs> like that. So <laughs> it's not just a dream life. I mean I do get to live get to live my dream in a way, but you know, it's it's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes yeah. and I don't work a nine to five. I work 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I don't have a weekend like, you know, yeah. but I love it at the same time. So Well, that's the main thing is that you love it. So it yeah, like, you love what you do and never work a day in your life. Yes, that's what they say. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Hugo, for being on the podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I hope everyone listening as well did enjoy it as well. I'm getting my words muddled up. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode, so make sure you tune in. Make sure to follow us on Instagram as well. We'll leave it linked below if you want to go ahead and follow us. Um, otherwise, we'll see you next week. And thank you so much, Hugo. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.